Hello, and welcome to the November 2019 Respiratory Care Podcast. The editor's choice for November is a study evaluating a respiratory therapist-driven protocol in pediatric asthma. Miller and others performed a before and after trial of a protocol guided by assessment of the modified pulmonary index score. They demonstrated an increased use of high-flow nasal cannula and non-invasive ventilation during the intervention period, as well as shorter pediatric intensive care unit length of stay, shorter duration of continuous albuterol treatment, and shorter hospitalization. Myers pens an accompanying editorial reviewing the history of respiratory therapist-driven protocols in pediatric asthma and concludes that protocolized therapy should be a standard of care. Zamok and others describe the use of high-flow nasal cannula outside the ICU. To date, high-flow nasal cannula has typically been reserved for higher-intensity care environments. This study evaluates dyspnea scores and changes in cardiorespiratory variables, as well as ICU admission. Subjects experienced a decrease in dyspnea scores, a reduction in breathing frequency, and an improved oxygen saturation. A third of subjects, however, had do not resuscitate orders, and as a result, the patients in the study had a high hospital mortality. The ROCKS index, the SpO2-FiO2 ratio divided by breathing frequency, was the only independent predictor of high-flow nasal cannula success. Vasika and Ricard to contribute an editorial regarding the improvements in the outcomes associated with high-flow nasal cannula. They suggest caution in high-flow nasal cannula use outside of appropriately monitored environments to assure safety. Osborne et al. and Villaba et al. contribute two papers on the use of pulse oximetry to monitor anemia and carboxyhemoglobin in the emergency department. Osborne et al. studied a convenient sample of 350 subjects and determined limits of agreement for hemoglobin of minus 3 to plus 2.5 grams per deciliter, compared to a standard laboratory measurement using venous blood. They suggest that pulse oximetry can be useful to screen for anemia in the emergency department. The lab et al. used pulse oximetry to screen for carbon monoxide exposure in the emergency department. Using data from 126 subjects, they compared pulse oximetry carbon monoxide to standard blood co-oximetry. An SPCO of greater than 10% was defined as a positive. 14 of 23 subjects had a positive pulse ox carbon monoxide. However, limits of agreement were minus 10 to plus 8% compared to blood carbon monoxide measurements. Hogan and McMullen cogently argue that implementation of a screening program should offer a meaningful intervention upon detection of a true positive result while assuring that a large proportion of afflicted patients do not escape detection. They suggest that screening for anemia and CO exposure in the emergency department using oximetry technology doesn't meet this standard. Maui and colleagues report on a respiratory therapist-driven protocol for continuous albuterol delivery in the p- pediatric intensive care unit. This single-center trial used an interdisciplinary team to create a protocol for continuous albuterol treatment based on the pediatric asthma severity score. Using before and after methodology, the authors demonstrated no difference in the duration of continuous albuterol administration or adverse events. They concluded that the respiratory therapist-driven protocol was as safe as physician-ordered treatments. Berlinski and Velasco evaluated albuterol delivery in a pediatric model of non-invasive ventilation using a single limb circuit. They studied vibrating mesh nebulizers and jet jet nebulizers at various positions in the circuit. The highest delivery efficiency was seen with the vibrating mesh nebulizer placed after the exhalation port. Vibrating mesh nebulizers were superior to jet nebulizers regardless of the position in the circuit. Impaired cough results in respiratory compromise in a host of pulmonary diseases and monitoring cough peak flow helps identify patients at risk. 
Narusu et al. evaluated cough peak flow and ultrasound evaluation of the diaphragmatic excursion in a group of healthy subjects. They demonstrated that cephalic excursion during cough predicted cough peak flow. The utility of ultrasound evaluation of the diaphragm needs validation in patients. Tomopoulos and colleagues describe a study evaluating a number of common and advanced techniques for determining the need for airway clearance. This included acoustic monitoring as well as breast sounds and the presence of a sawtooth pattern in the excretory flow waveform. The best predictive model of the volume of airway secretions removed were the presence of the sawtooth waveform and ventilator tubing fremitus on expiration. They concluded that simple clinical assessments are superior to advanced technology. Home oxygen therapy improves outcomes in COPD who patients with resting hypoxemia. Stolzadal evaluated oxidative stress in COPD patients and in a control group using exhaled breath condensate. They reported that exposure to inspired oxygen concentrations of less than 36% did not appear to induce oxidative stress. Caney and colleagues evaluated the impact of home oxygen therapy on physical activities of daily living in COPD subjects. COPD subjects using home oxygen were compared to COPD subjects not requiring oxygen therapy. Subjects requiring home oxygen spent less time in all aspects of physical activity. Oxygen therapy time and hours per day was the strongest predictor of physical activity. The question from this study remains, does oxygen therapy limit patients' physical activity or does the need for oxygen therapy limit their physical activity? Rantala et al. report on a retrospective study of COPD subjects requiring home oxygen therapy evaluating predictors of survival. The study evaluated 195 subjects over a three-year period. The most frequent reasons for home oxygen therapy were COPD and interstitial lung diseases. Most of the subjects, 70% of them, died during the study and the median survival time was only 2.2 years. Interstitial lung disease subjects had a shorter survival compared to COPD subjects. Needing assistance with activities of daily living predicted short survival. Dadlez and others evaluated high-flow nasal cannula in children with bronchiolitis outside the ICU. This was a retrospective review of high-flow nasal cannula use over two years. In a sample of 80 subjects, intubation was not required and there were no reported barotraumatic events. The authors suggest that, a fl- that at a flow less than 10 liters a minute, high-flow nasal cannula may be safely used outside the ICU in patients with less severe illness. As the editor, I often look at studies that are done with a retrospective review, and they're not always the best way to determine safety. Macedo et al. performed the performance of non-invasive mask in a lung model of COPD. They measured end tidal carbon dioxide concentration, mask leakage, tidal volume, trigger time, time to achieve 90% of the inspiratory target, and excess inspiratory time. They studied two sizes of oronasal masks and a full face mask. They did not find any impact of entitled CO2 washout on synchrony variables. And Alger and others evaluated different physiotherapy techniques in children with asthma. This included diaphragmatic release technique and the thoracic lymphatic pump technique compared to conventional respiratory retraining. They measured the impact of each technique on forced vital capacity and diaphragmatic mobility. All three interventions resulted in improved lung function. Syed et al. contributed a systematic review of non-invasive oxygen strategies and subjects with hypoxic respiratory failure. This review evaluates high flows of cannula, non-invasive ventilation, and conventional oxygen therapy on outcomes, including intubation rates or mortality. We appreciate you subscribing to the Respiratory Care Podcast. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. 
There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.